0: Visit Remax.com or download the Remax app to find the right agent. The right agent can lead the way. Based on 2022 BrandSpark American Trust Study. Each office independently owned and operated. At Capella University, you'll get support from people who care about your success. From before you enroll to after you graduate. Pursue your goals knowing help is available when you need it. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. It's the holiday season, and that means you'll likely be attending a lot of parties, which means you'll be doing lots of mingling. But if you're like many people, the thought of mingling with complete strangers either fills you with dread or just seems like a chore. Well, my guest today on the show has spent her career teaching people how to mingle and even have fun while doing so. Her name is Jean Martinette, and she's the author of the book The Art of Mingling. Today on the show, Jean shares tactics you can use to overcome your fear of mingling and then walks us through step-by-step on how to talk with complete strangers at a social event. She starts with how to seamlessly join a conversation without it being awkward, how to keep the conversation going once it starts, and how to exit a conversation without, you know, seeming like a jerk or or awkward. Gene then suggests actions you can take if you get snubbed or if you end up putting your foot in your mouth. If small talk is something you struggle with and attending a party with people you don't know fills you with fear, this show has a lot of practical advice you can put into action today. After it's over, check out the show notes at aom.is slash mingle. All right, Jean Martinet, welcome to the show. Thank you. Hi. So uh, you've made a career for yourself writing about social skills, socializing, mingling, uh, faux pas, how to handle that. I'm curious, how did that happen?
1: Well, actually, it was quite accidental. I years ago, many years ago, I was invited to a wedding with my with college friends. It was my first college friend who'd gotten married, and we all it was like a big reunion. And at the end of the reception, we were all hanging out in someone's room, and everyone started, started saying to me, "Gene, how in the world... I realized that I had, I had met the whole town of... It was in Dayton, Ohio, and I had met everyone at the whole wedding, and everyone else had said, you know, we just talked to each other. How did you do that? Like, and why did you do that? <laughs> and I suddenly realized that this was something that I love to do that people either didn't want to do or were scared to do. And so one of my friends, Larry, said, you should write a book about this. And I wrote down all my techniques on a cocktail napkin. And that is how the art of mingling was born.
0: So I'm curious, were you naturally, you know, like that? Like you you naturally mingled, it came natural to you? So you had to like, you know, be very, you know, you had to think like, what exactly do I do?
1: Well, yeah, exactly. I had to, it it was, the thing was, is that it hadn't always come naturally to me. I think that when I was like, when I was 13 or so, I I kind of was, I really loved, wanted to be popular, but kind of was a little bit insecure, so I I sort of trained myself. I read this series of books (laughs) that were written about debutantes in the 1930s or something, and in the books there were all these lines, and I mean, I think I probably did have a natural inclination to talk to strangers, but I did sort of consciously figure out how to do it from an early age. And then I forgot about it until this particular day in Ohio. And then I realized I really do have a system.
0: You'd have a system. All right. So uh, your first book, The Art of Mingling, this was published back in the nineties, right?
1: Yes. It was published, uh, my first book and uh, it was published in 1992 and it was, um, successful, so successful that I have done two major updates of it. Okay. The most recent being in just uh, 2015.
0: Right, because a lot has changed in the, the world of mingling since 1992. Because... Yeah,
1: I mean, people, the, the actual techniques and the how you mingle hasn't changed, but the, the world in which we mingle has changed, certainly.
0: Right, and, uh, cell in, phones.
1: With all the technology and yeah. everything.
0: We'll get into that. So let's get into specifics. Yeah. First off, like, how do you define, what is mingling?
1: I define mingling as, well, literally mingling means mixing. And basically what I mean by mingling is interacting with a lot of people. I mean, not a lot of people as in more than two uh, at an event or a party. Um, Often it's a room where you don't know anyone or an event, but it doesn't have to be. It just means that you are, you are, it's more like a tasting menu rather than one dish. And it's not to say that at any time you can't switch into deep conversation mode. But the idea is that it's a place to, it's where you meet new people and and you know you sort of um you're engaging in a different way because you're exposing yourself to new things.
0: And like what do you think the average time frame for like to be it, for it to be considered mingling as opposed to like I'm now engaged in deep conversation.
1: Right. You know it's it's basically it's between like 5 and I would say 5 and 15 minutes. Um depending upon what kind of party it is and so on because I mean, obviously, if you meet the love of your life or your next boss, you can certainly step aside out of the mingling fray and, you know, have a one-on-one. But in order to really get the most out of a party, you should really not talk to you should. You can always come back, but like I say, after ten or fifteen minutes, you need to leave that person. Go on to somebody else.
0: Okay, and we'll talk here in a little bit, like how you do that, because I think that yeah, really throws a lot of people off. But I mean, one of the things that, that people or some people would say about mingling is that it's you know superficial and shallow, and that oh, you know, you should just get to, you should just be real and get real to the hard stuff. What would you say to these folks as to why you need they need to put that prejudice aside and really embrace mingling?
1: Right. Well, a lot, a lot of people ask me this question, and I really think that behind this question is um, is fear. But we can. That's another whole conversation. But uh, what I say to them is, there's two thing, two main things I would answer this. It, one of them is if you. I've had 10 minute conversations with strangers that have changed my whole perspective on a subject, or at least enhanced my day. And you know, you never know who you're going to meet. That's the other thing. It's like it's like travel or being an explorer. You know, you you just—it's the unknown field—and so you, instead of thinking of it as superficial conversation, um, you just have to—you think of it more as unknown travel, like social travel. And you never know when someone you meet, you 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 either have a uh, such a good laugh that you know that enhances your day, or you you get a new a new um, perspective on something that you wouldn't have otherwise if you hadn't talked to this stranger. And sometimes those strangers become acquaintances and then become friends. So, you know, the, it's definitely worth doing. You can't think of it as just that 10 minutes. It's what, how it creeps into the rest of your life.
0: Right. Well, let's talk about the fear. So you say that that excuse is often given as because they're afraid. Why, why are people afraid of mingling? What are the biggest ones, you think?
1: Well, you know, that's the, one of the things I discovered when I first started writing, the, when I wrote the book and then White Runner was about to come out, um, is that 90% of America has mingle, what I call mingle-phobia. And I didn't even realize it when I, when, I first, when I first wrote the book. You know, I thought it was going to be this tiny little thing that the publisher paid me no money and you know, a little bit of money, and it was just this kind of like little blip in my life. And the first thing that happened was I got on the Today Show with Katie Couric. And that is when I, and then I got on everything. And that is when I realized that I had tapped into this very primal fear that I don't have. So, um, and what, what I discovered is that what most people are afraid of is being rejected, not knowing what to say, which is the same, really. Um, and also there's another fear, which is about um, not knowing how to get out of a conversation. But that's secondary. The, but there are a lot of people won't go to a party because they're afraid of getting stuck. But mostly it's about being judged, not having the, – the terror of being in a conversation and, uh, and having silence is absolutely um, a, a huge thing in most people's mind.
0: Do you think the fear uh, is applicable to just people you don't know or like do, you have, do people have that fear even with people they do know?
1: I think mostly it's with people they don't know because that's what – that's why I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm not going to know anybody at that party, so I'm not going. That's certainly the bigger fear. I think people still have social fears when it comes to going to parties and maybe they'll say the wrong thing, but mostly I think it's about the people's fears about mingling, trying to talk to people that they don't know. Cause it's a, you know, it's a totally unknown thing.
0: Right. Yeah. So, um, right now it's like holidays. There's gonna be a lot of parties, but there's people who are, they've got them on their calendar right now. And some people out there they are like, deathly afraid they're like oh my gosh like i am not going to know anybody at this thing like what are some like mind sh- mindset shifts people can make or tactics they can use to kind of get over that initial fear so they can you know start interacting with people and start mingling
1: right i outline various techniques in the book they they i call them survival techniques and they real, really are just to get your mindset changed There's um, something that I offer up called the buddy system, which is where you pretend. These might sound silly, but remember, they're just for your own trick of your brain. No one has to know you're doing this. One of them is called the buddy system, and that is where you enter into the room, you feel yourself freezing up, and you just pretend that your best friend or your wife or your mother or somebody who loves you, (laughs) maybe not your mother, I don't know, is standing right behind you, right over your right shoulder going with you into the room and you know, like you just have to envision that they're there with you. And so if somebody doesn't say the right thing to you, whatever you can just picture them saying, Oh, well, that guy's a jerk or whatever. And then there's also another one that is helpful to do, which is called the invisible man. And that is where the thing is, this is based on this truth that most people know intellectually, which is that people really aren't looking at you. They're only concerned about themselves. And so the invisible man is based on that and that, Basically, you pretend that no one can see you when you first enter the the party, and that sort of lessens your self-consciousness until you're ready to become visible, which you should do fairly quickly, and and actually talk to someone. You know, there's also just a faking it till you make it kind of thing, which I also talk about in The Art of Mingling.
0: Yeah, that one... I've used that one. Like, I imagine like if I go to like, what would Cary Grant do? Right. And, yeah. Right. And, and the thing is Cary Grant, like he even said, like he, I think there's a quote. He's like the, the greatest performance I ever did was being Cary Grant. Like, I don't think Cary Grant was naturally charismatic, but he had this idea that he wanted to be. And he, put it on and it, it worked.
1: Right, I mean, that's the thing to remember is that people don't cannot see your fear. And if you the, the idea of fake it till you make it is that if you walk into a party and you smile and you pretend to be confident, um, this is why when your mother told you, just be yourself, that's wrong advice. <laughs> when you walk into a room and you are smiling, people will respond with smiling because people respond with positive behavior, with positive behavior. And then once they do that, you actually will smile. So it's a way to trick yourself into it. I mean, pretty soon it'll be real. So you don't have to fake it till the very, except for in the very beginning.
0: All right. Oh, let's say you've, you've done these sort of tricks to get you to get over, get over that fear. The hard part is like, how do you figure out you're in the party? You don't know anyone. How do you know like which person or group is receptive to you? Mingling with them because I think that's the thing that just you end up just having your hands in your pocket or holding the right a drink and an odor of play what do you do?
1: The first thing you do is you, which most people know, but you might forget. The first thing to do, especially if it's a big party, is you after you've put your coat down or whatever, is to find your host or hostess and say hello. Now you're because that's the person you know, right? So if your host or your hostess is standing with someone, they will, of course, introduce you. So now you already know this person or those people. Okay, that's number one. Then, now, then if you still, they run, wander away and you're all alone, you look around the w- room and you, you can, you look, when you want to approach a group, check out body language. You don't want to approach a group, if you're nervous, that is like standing with their arms around each other, very tightly arranged. You want to th- go up to someone, one or two people or three, who are sort of looking around and have more of an open feeling to their their uh you know their bodies um i call this technique is called practice your mingle on a wallflower you can even find somebody who's alone who looks like they're lost too and go up and talk to them you can you can also use the food and the bar if you it's never a good idea to when i say use the bar i don't mean like have 17 drinks before you talk to someone but you can the food in the bar, people are gathered there to for a purpose, which is to get a drink or get food, and you can talk to them about, you know, oh, it's crowded here, or have you tried the salmon, or, you know, you can use those things as kind of props to talk about, you know, have you tasted this, things like that. You know, then there's, there's a whole section in the book on opening techniques and opening lines as well.
0: Yeah, we'll get into that here in a bit. I, one of the, the tactics I, I like, because I've done it myself and it's very effective, is like find a way to help the host or hostess like serve food. Yeah, Because it's yeah, easy. That's,
1: yeah, that is a great thing to do. There's With the proviso that, I mean, it's great because you've got food in your hand and you can meet everyone at the party because they're all going to come up to you to get food and you say hello. However, you don't have hands free to shake and you pretty much have to keep moving around with the food. So you don't it's even a quicker mingle than ordinarily. Like, in other words, you can't really get into a conversation while you're standing there with food. So there are some – it's not I – would, I would recommend more that you actually mingle by the food, that you mingle with the food. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, you pass some food around and then put it down and then go mingle, that would be fine. But, like, it does kind of limit you because you can't actually drink, have a drink in your hand while you're passing the food. You know, so you, it sort of does put you in another – you know, now you're a helper, and yes, you get to go around and talk to people, but you're very limited because you're you're just offering food. Right. You know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah, gotcha. So, uh, opening lines, right? That's like the first impression. Yeah. when everyone, everyone knows, oh, the first impression is the most important thing, and, and they put a lot of this pressure on them. They got to say just the right thing, and then they they're so <laughs> self conscious that they say something stupid. But like, what are your typical go tos for opening lines to start the meeting? Yeah,
1: my I identified um, after years of research, I identified four basic opening maneuvers. And that's, you know, I also have a lot of opening lines in the book that are just, you don't have to maneuver. You just use the opening line. But the the best, one of my favorite opening approaches is called the honest approach. If you're at a party where you do not know anybody, it's quite effective to just go up to a group of people, stick out your hand and say, hi, I'm Jean, and I don't know a single soul at this party. And it's a little bit scary at first, but when you, you it really works well because unless unless they're total idiots or jerks, um, uh, they will actually be nice to you and say, "Oh, well, this is so and so," and they'll introduce you and they'll ask you how you came about coming to the party, et cetera, and you're then you're on your way. It it's sort of like you're giving over your power to these people, and, and it's. And to make yourself vulnerable, people will usually be kind, and and also it's kind of refreshing in a way. If, you, if that doesn't appeal to people because it's a little too direct, there is the the classic fade in maneuver, which is when you kind of edge up to a group and you know you sort of listen to what they're saying, listen very hard, and when it's appropriate, you kind of you just enter in, you, you say something that's relevant to the conversation as if you've been there all along. the The trick with the fade in is that you can't hang around the periphery too long, lest you become a party ghost. <laughs> you don't want that to happen. You have to actually complete your fade in. And then another one of my favorites, which is you have to be a little careful with, if you're a man, I think these days, but it's called the flattery entree. And it's when you go up to someone and you say, excuse me for interrupting, but I have never seen such fabulous earrings. Now, of course, that's an easy one to do if you're a woman. But if you're a man, you can still go up to make, like another man and say, that's the wildest tie I've ever seen, or like that. You stay stay above the chest when you're doing the felt flattery entree. Everyone likes flattery, and you know, or you can even use if if you know something about the person, like you've heard that they're the one that brought the guacamole. You can go up and say, ha, "Excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt, but did you make this fabulous guacamole?" That's another form of the flattery entree. And that people would respond warmly. Then there are also, um, I have a whole list of opening lines that range from risk risk free to daring. Daring ones are scarier, but they can often be more fun if you're once you get into it. And that's all in the art of mingling.
0: Yeah, the uh, on the flattery one for guys, if you want to flatter a guy and not be weird about it. Compliment the guy on his watch.
1: Yes. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's a great one. Yeah. Because there's always, what's great about it, because usually with the watch, first off, it guys like that because, you know, probably spend a lot of money on it. So it reflects your style. But also, there's usually a story behind it. Yeah. And so you can get them talking about the story. Oh, this was my grandfather's watch, blah, 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 blah. And it's great.
1: Right. That's absolutely true. Watch is kind of like the male version of earrings for. For women, that, I mean, sometimes women have watches too, but you're right. For a man, that's usually the, the thing that they wear that has something interesting about it. One warning I would have that a lot of people make the mistake in their opening line of asking people what they do for a living. That seems like a natural thing, you know, because it's, you want to figure out who the person is. You're asking them a question. But if it's an opening line, it's actually not recommended. And here's why. You don't know what subject you're bringing up. Uh, When you ask somebody what they do for a living, it could be something, it could be they don't have a job, they've lost their job, they do something that's not something you don't want to talk about. And now you're into that conversation. But, uh, But more than that, it's really kind of like, it comes off sounding like you're trying to figure out if that person's worth your time to ask somebody right away what they do. It's kind of like, okay, who are you? How much money do you make? And do I want to talk to you? <laughs> and it's just, it's fine after you talk to them for a few minutes to then say, oh, so, and what do you do? That's perfectly normal, but just not as an opening line.
0: Going back to the fade in approach, how do you do it in a way where, because I'd be, the way I, I'd be afraid with that is that I think. I'd make my comment, and then everyone would think, like, who the heck is this guy? <laughs> so,
1: like, <laughs> so, is, that, like, is that a yeah. risk you
0: take? Or do most people just don't care, right? Or they just don't care.
1: Most people don't care. Like, the, that goes under the heading of everyone has phobia, and you're not the only one who's scared. And if you realize that every single person, even if they look confident, almost everyone is, has the same fears or has had the same fears as you. So most people are going to not be rude about it. If you, if you end up making a, you know, a, a comment that doesn't go over... The, probably the worst that happens is they just ignore it and keep going on, and it might be a little bit awkward, and then you can either stay there and, you know, try again, or if you're not interested or it doesn't work, you just fade out, you know, the, the fade out you know, fade out escape. I don't, you know, the fade is not my first choice because of that. It is a little bit, but the thing about the fade is if you listen for, for a while and, it, and the conversation doesn't seem like something that you can get into, you can, you can abort, you don't actually have to complete the fade in, and you go try with another group. So it appeals to some people for being for like hedging your bets,
0: right? And one thing you talk about in the book, throughout the book, is that with mingling, so I mean, one of the common bits of advice we're told when we're having conversation, we need to be present with that person, look them in the eye. But you also, with mingling, like you also have to be on the lookout for other stuff at the same time you're doing that. So how do you balance? Right.
1: The, you know, the rule looking is, for
0: new opportunities. Yeah. Yes.
1: Um, the rule is that you should you oftentimes do have to look around the room because otherwise you never move. So the, but the rule is that you, 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 when, when the other person is speaking, that is, you have to keep your eyes focused on their face. When you're talking, then you can actually let your eyes wander because sometimes if, you know, that's a normal thing. You could be thinking, a lot of people's eyes wander when they're thinking about something and it's less rude. Obviously you can't, you know, you have to keep coming back to the person because so it's not really obvious that you're scoping out the room, but you can, while you're talking, look over, you know, quickly here and there to sort of see what's going on, but never while the other person is talking.
0: Gotcha. Let's say you get the opening line and it went smoothly, but then the other thing people are afraid of, are afraid of is like, okay, how do I keep this thing going? Right. Right. Because you don't want it to, you get it. You, there's always that moment of awkward silence where you're like, right. well, okay. So what do you, what are your, what's your advice there?
1: Um, well, just remember that the best mingling is, is playful, and in, by that I mean that making observations often allows for more organic conversation than just keeping questions going. So, and also, also it helps you if you're lost, you just like look around and, and try and focus on what's going on and, and observe. So saying something like, I can't believe how grown up Julie's daughter has become, Might be um, like a better way to go than have you read the news today or what part of the city do you live in? Or I mean, you could do that too, but I found that the observations, because then when you make an observation, it allows people to respond with more creativity. Like that person could say, Yeah, boy, you could have that happens with my children. My children have grown up before I knew about it. Or, you know, like it can, it just opens up stuff. Whereas if you ask people questions, you can get staccato yes or no answers, and then you're just no further along. And it's also more more threatening. So when you make an observation, instead of asking a question, it... Just allows people to relax more. I found.
0: And as you mentioned, in the book, the observation should be kept positive. You shouldn't, uh, most of the time, should be kept positive.
1: Yeah, no, no, no bad gossip. No, no. Um, isn't that a funny hat the hostess is wearing? <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, unless meant to be funny, that's fine. But yes, no, you know, definitely positive. No, no gossip. And one of the
0: things uh, in this updated version of the book, you talk about how you know most. You know, you're supposed to keep it light. Observations: Talk about the weather. Talk about what's going on in the party. But in, in you, as you highlight in the book, in today's political climate, like everything seems politicized. And, and right. an innocuous, you know, observation about you know, my, oh my health, I had to go to the doctor. That can turn into this heated debate about healthcare. How do you manage that?
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah, even the weather, which used to be the safest conversation, you know, as quoted <laughs> right. in all Victorian books on conversation. You know, there there were two safe safe topics. The weather and your health were the things that they taught you as a polite person to talk about, and both of those lead right into politics now, so or can. So I do have a section in the book on how to deal with that, and um, ranging from trying to figure out, like when you enter the area, whether you can. There are some test questions that are kind of tricky that you can use to find out if someone's a fanatic, but mainly you don't want to even go there. And, but if you fall into the conversation and you realize that you're about to have an argument or it's about to get tense, there are ways to diffuse and escape. Um, you either just change the subject or you can, you can actually just say, well, uh, you know, my mother always said I shouldn't talk to strangers. Now I know why, or something like that. Um, no, that's, that's actually not, that would be only if they're, they're actually getting mad at you. That. The better line would be to say something like, um, well, I guess we can't solve the world's problems in one night. Shall we go, let's go get a drink or how, let's go get some more food. You know, some, you, you basically make a changing conversation line and then you move to another area. You know, or you can say, well, I guess we better either talk about something else or step outside, try to make a joke about it. And if it doesn't work, then you just have to escape. Uh, you don't want to get into an ar- argument at, when you're at a party. I mean... My favorite one to do is just to say, suddenly, if someone says, what do you mean? Do you believe in blah, blah, blah? I'll go, well, I don't know about that, but there's one thing I know about. I'm starving. Will you excuse me? And then you just go off to the food table. Sometimes you can get in, you know, you can have a conversation. It's not always the choice to escape. Sometimes sometimes it can be, you know, interesting to have a conversation with someone who's on the other political side, but not if they're going to get angry. So there are, you have to read the book, but there are complicated ways that you can actually tell whether somebody is a fanatic or not.
0: Gotcha. So let's talk about, so mingling is, as we said earlier, you're there for 10, 5, 15 minutes. Um, So that means you have to get out of these conversations at some point. And that, that's another fear I think people have. So the fear is like, okay, starting the conversation, keeping it going. Now, how do I end this without looking like a jerk? Right. Um, so what, what are your favorite tactics for ending mingling sessions so you can start another one?
1: Right. Um, this is actually, it's a, such a big subject. I realized after I wrote, published the first edition that this was the main thing people wanted to talk about because everyone's really scared and doesn't know how to escape. So I have a whole chapter on escapes, escape techniques. The most common one that everybody knows about, which I have dubbed, I have dubbed the buffet bye-bye and other handy excuses. And that, of course, is when you say, oh, excuse me, I, I really need to go get a drink or I'd like to, I need to get some food, etc." Now, of course, the problem with that one is that people, if you've really got someone who's glommed onto you, you, they may follow you. And um, so the, one of those excuses that the only one that really works is to say, I have to make a phone call. Even in today's age of of cell uh, smartphones, you know everyone knows that if you're at a party, it's not you can't just whip out your phone right there. So they know you have to go off by yourself. So that's a way. You and then you actually have to go off and look like you're making a phone call for a second, then go to another group. But there are many other uh, other uh, escape techniques that work. One of them, which seems to be most people's favorite, has a very cruel name. It's called the Human Sacrifice. (laughs) And in the Human Sacrifice, what you do is you wait until someone you've met or you know is walking by close enough to you. You reach out and you kind of grab them. You introduce them to the person you have been talking to. And as soon as they basically say hello to each other, there really is about a five-second period, five or ten seconds when you can just leave it's this it's based on the 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 one of the uh, five laws of survival which is change equals movement movement equals change once that group shifts like that conversation is broken you basically you got to get out fast but you can leave as soon as that other person it's kind of like changing dance partners you've given that person somebody else to dance with now you can go there's there's also another one that's pretty common that i like to do is called I like to talk about anyway, it's called the counterfeit, ser- counterfeit search. And that is when you, you, you say, you, you find a, a pause, hopefully, to inter- interrupt and you say, um, I'm so sorry, but someone just walked in the room that I'm supposed to talk to because my boss made me to or my girlfriend said I had to or some excuse like that. So it's like you have a mission, and you're so sorry, but you have to go.
0: Gotcha. My my favorite one was also similar to the opening, like just be honest with people. Say, "Hey, I'm here to mingle. It's great talking to you. Yes. I'm going to go mingle some more. Yes, and that's,
1: that's a good one. The honest approach in reverse. That's a really that's actually is a very good one. All right.
0: What do you do? Okay, you mentioned that someone gets someone gloms on to you. This has happened to me. I went to a like a. A cocktail hour, and I was there to mingle, but I got stuck with this one person. And like, I would try different things, like you know, sort of intuitively. Okay, and it didn't work. Like, they just followed me and followed. Like, what do you do about? It? Like, how do you escape someone who's glommed onto you like that?
1: Yeah, well, that that's when it, I think the human sacrifice is the only the only thing to do. There's also there's also something I, I think it's called the manager that I have in the in the book, and that that is when you actually take the person. I need you to meet somebody. That's the, the uh, stronger version of the human sacrifice. And you walk them over to someone you know. And, I mean, all fair in love and mingling, the person you might think, well, I can't do this to a friend, but, you know, if there's no other way to do it, you walk that person over to someone you know, you introduce them, and you, and usually, and you say, I know you're going to like, so-and-so has just been telling me about such and such. So you give them their first topic of conversation so that it'll stick, basically. And then you walk away. You know, that's that's probably probably the most you
0: can do. Right, sacrifices must be made. Yes. So, <laughs> <laughs> so um, we mentioned you kind of talked about this a little bit earlier. So you let's say you you try to fade into a group, you try to you know enter you know enter into a group conversation, but like you're rejected. Uh, how do you handle that? Do you just move on and just cut your losses, and not make a big deal about it?
1: Yeah, if you can. Basically, if you most of the time, if you're rejected, it, it's not going to be in a very overt way, but in a subtle way, and you just have to take a deep breath. You know, maybe go back into one of the survival fantasies again, like your best friend is with you, and lick, lick your wounds and remember that it's not. It's you know, one person's garbage is another person's treasure, so it's it's not really personal. Maybe that you're just not their cup of tea, so try not to you know, all of a sudden say, oh, my God, everyone hates me. Um, But if you if someone insults you, there are some lines in the book that from, you know, some might suit someone that not all these lines suit everyone. But I think, as I mentioned before, this is a line. My mother always talked me, told me not to talk to strangers. Now I know why is one of the ones you can say to people if someone's just rude to you. Like it might make you feel better to actually have a comeback like that rather than just skulk away or slink away. But if you, make, if you make a bad faux pas and it's that kind of thing, then there are also other different kinds of recovery techniques for that. But if someone's just rejecting you, you know, that's rare, really. People think that's going to happen, but it doesn't usually happen. Mostly it's just they don't talk to you or they, or they escape from you really quickly, and you just, you know, move on.
0: Right. Don't take it personally.
1: Don't take it personally. Everyone else, who knows what that person's got in their head. Maybe they've got... Some super goals for the party, and you just don't fit them or whatever.
0: What do you do about these situations at a party that you get there and you're like one of the first ones there? That's another fear. Oh uh, yeah. It's why everyone shows. it's why everyone shows up late to parties, an hour late. So how do you manage that if you're just there's just a few people there and everyone's kind of in their own corner? And not just really keeping to themselves, and of course they 're on their phone, you know acting like they're doing yeah, something important, so how do you that
1: is a challenge because in the old days we, the phones were not were not a, not an, and you could just easily corral those few people, so what happened if you 're in that empty room situation, the best thing to do is to offer to help the host or the hostess if there's a, not anybody's there yet the host is probably still running around you know doing things that you can offer to help and then the only other thing to do is to go up, just go up to one of those people, pick the one that seems like the most. My father always had this thing where, when he was, he had a thing that I call judging a book by its cover. And when in doubt, pick the person who's dressed most like you. <laughs> he was a musician, and he used to go to a party, and, and if he at a loss, he would look around and he'd find the one person who wasn't in a suit and tie, and he would go talk to that person, and it always worked for him because he was also not a suit-and-tie person because he was a musician. Um, so you just find somebody, who, and then you just have to interrupt them if they're on their phone and say, excuse me, hi, you know, uh, and just use one of the opening lines. But the, uh, helping the host is, a, is, a, is always a good thing to do. I don't, you know, you can always get out your, in, all, if, in that case, if every three people are there and they're all on the phones, you can get out your phone too. But I, that's, a, that's a last resort. I really recommend, We've got to get rid of this. This is a bad thing. People should be talking to each other.
0: So, in the book, you also highlight that mingling isn't just for parties or social events. That you could do this throughout the day, in public. And as you said, I think Americans have this like a fear. They don't, we like to keep to ourselves. Yeah. So, how do you overcome that fear, and how do you mingle in public without it being weird?
1: Well, it's funny that, you know, I'm a New Yorker, and this is one of the things that we I think that is wonderful about being in New York because we are not in our cars. We are almost always on the street in a bus or in a subway. So it's a lot easier because people are – but still, even in New York City, people are still uh, on their phones, and they think they're around all these people. And, again, I, I I encourage people to talk to strangers whenever possible and safe to do so because you can have a conversation with a stranger on the subway on the bus in the shopping mall you know while waiting in line for something that really does make your day better i mean it's not doesn't happen every time certainly because not everybody is you know going to like everybody else but um just observation again is the key when you're standing in line you can talk about the line. You can ask how long you've been in line. You can start talking about the venue that you're waiting for. You know, when you're, you're on the bus, you can, you know, look out the window. You can observe what's going on on the bus. You know, you, you're on the subway. You see somebody who has the same um, theater program that you have. You ask, didn't you like the play? You know, there you get it once you get into the habit and you just look, all it really takes is being aware of your surroundings. And instead of looking and putting your phone away and just looking at people and being curious and the, the rest kind of follows once you get in. It's kind of like a muscle. Once you start talking to people and you get good reactions and you people smile at you and you have a nice little, nice little interlude in your day that you wouldn't have before. It like makes your day different. It's actually really can be wonderful.
0: Let's say you've done some mingling and you can do it just for its own sake. It's just, it's energizing in and of itself. Right. But right. Uh, let's say you, you meet somebody that this, you're like, this could be a, a, a deeper relationship, a better connection. How do you do follow up with mingling? Cause I'm sure l- when you're mingling, the people, the person you think I want to follow up with them, they've mingled with lots of people. So they might not remember. So how do you do it in a way where they remember like, aha, yeah, I remember this conversation.
1: Right. Well, first of all, not everybody has business cards these days. But if what I do is, as far as business, when you're at the party, and when you've gotten to the end of your fascinating 15-minute conversation, I will hand them my card. And then hopefully they will offer me their card. But one of my tips is that it it's, um, may sound like old-fashioned etiquette, but don't ask for their card. And you, you should get offer your card and let them offer theirs because it's a little bit too intrusive to ask for their card. I mean, in certain business situations, that's different But if you're in the same industry, but in general. Now, so if you have their card when you get home, you can send them an email and remind them of something that you talked about if you had an interesting conversation. You know, always refer to something in the conversation so that they can remember who you are. If you don't have a card, you can find them on Facebook and direct message them. Usually, it's pretty easy to do that, obviously, because you can find them through the hostess's friend list, probably. Or if you remember their na- if you have their name, hopefully you can. But don't, don't immediately Facebook friend them until you've written them a message first and you have some response. After meeting somebody once for 15 minutes, I don't think it's appropriate to Facebook friend them. Now, again, people who are 20 years old may have a different rule, depends on your circle, but that's what I say. And then, and again, always refer to something that you've, that you've talked about at the party. And just say how nice it, nice it was to meet them and you'd, like to, you'd love to see them again or you'd love to have coffee or something. And then let's see if they respond before actually proposing a date. That's sort of a, that allows the person the space to not respond and it keeps you from feeling rejected if they don't want to. Do you know what I mean? So it's more like a great to meet you message than anything else.
0: Yeah, I think it's good to put that caveat. It's like, if you can, I'd love to. If not, no worries.
1: Right, um, you know, just like, fo- so, and also just focusing on how nice it is, how nice it, how nice it was to talk to them and how much you enjoyed the conversation.
0: Yeah. Well, Jean, this has been a great conversation. Where can people go to learn more about your work?
1: People can go to my website, JeanMartinette.com, and you know, also my books are available on Amazon and anywhere books are sold.
0: Fantastic. Well, Jean Martinette, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Brett.
0: My guest here is Jean Martinet. She's the author of the book, The Art of Mingling. It's available on amazon.com. You can also find out more information about her work at her website, jeanmartinette.com. Also, check out our show notes at aom.is/slash mingle, where you can find links to resources where you can delve deeper into this topic. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website at artofmanliness.com. If you enjoy the show, have got something out of it. I'd appreciate if you take one minute to give us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. It helps out a lot. And if you've done that already, thank you. And share the show with some friends. That's how we get the word out about the show. As always, thank you for your continued support. And until next time, this is Brett McKay telling you to stay manly.